The word was Ichabod. You find it in the Old Testament, and it means the glory of God has departed. In that scene, it was the ark without the covenant. It was the presence without the promises. It is a dreadful thing. Let's begin today with that thought. I said in that video, and I said last week, this truth. The Philistines revealed something that's going to happen across the earth one day. When a people who have rejected the covenant of God encounter the presence of God. It is a dreadful thing. And one day upon the earth, there will be a, a, a day in which people who have had every opportunity, maybe to some degree, to receive the covenant promises, but have rejected those covenant promises, but now they will encounter the presence of God. The ark of God. In the time of Noah, it was build the ark, board the ark, and hang on to the ark. It's going to rain. Whatever you do, don't miss the boat, because it's going to rain. The ark and the covenant, and the. You see, there were two things. There was the ark, the boat, and the covenant. And you needed those two to survive the coming judgment. The ark of God. In the time of Moses, it was build the ark. This time, overlay it with pure gold. Follow God and the ark's contents. And what were the contents? The law. The word of God. It's called faith. It was a way in the time of Moses to be saved. It is to get on board by faith and hang on to the Ark of the Covenant, the covenant, because in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, there's going to be a time of testing to determine if you're really holding on to the Ark at all. In that case, it was the Ark of the Covenant. That was Moses and Israel, a box overlaid with pure gold, the ark was the throne of God. And let's start there today. We all need to come to grips with the reality that the ark, this, this box that with this picture symbolizes today, was the very throne of God upon the earth. It was his presence that had departed from heaven and come to the earth to dwell among his children, his people. It is the throne of God. And the ark represents not just the throne of God, but the covenant was God's word. The ark of the covenant, the presence and the word of God. The law was given by the lawgiver so that you could encounter the lawgiver without being executed by the law itself. God had made a way. For the people of Israel to dwell in this holy presence without dying because of sin. It's called, the way was called the Ark of the Covenant. God gave Moses and the children of Israel the Ark of the Covenant before they started what should have been an 11-day journey to the promised land that ended up taking 40 years. And I ask you today, church, what went wrong? They had the Ark of the Covenant. 
They had the presence of God in their camp. What went wrong? They had God's presence and they had God's word, his covenant promises. So what went wrong? The same thing that's going wrong today. What should we, the church, be learning about the Ark of the Covenant in the church age? And let me begin like this. Today, do you have a copy of the covenant promises of God? Do you understand this is no small thing? Do you have a copy of it? How you treat this, how you treated this covenant of God this past week reveals a whole lot about how you think about God. The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. The New Testament is the New Covenant. Reading it is not called faith. The Ark of God. Today, we don't have to build an ark. Noah had to build an ark. Moses had to build an ark. Today, we don't have to build an ark. Jesus built this ark. Listen carefully. Jesus looks at Peter and the other disciples and says, who do men say that I am? And one of the guys said, some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus said, no, no, no. But who do you say that I am? And, G and Peter answers, I, be I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus makes an announcement in that scene. And here's the announcement. He tells Peter and he tells, he makes this prophetic announcement. I will build my church. I, my. I will build my church. Jesus is announcing that he's building the way to encounter God. I will build my church. Do you understand that the church is the body of Christ? He is our ark today. He is our way of salvation today. The ark represents God's word, God's covenant, God's promises, and understand for the church age, for us in this room today, you're watching online, it's a blood covenant. And a few moments ago, we took communion together. We partook of the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. And it's a symbol that inside of us, inside of us, Christ has come inside of us. He is the ark of our salvation. If he is not inside of you this day, you are lost. You're on the outside. And it's going to rain. The judgment of God is coming. Today, we must believe in the ark that God built, Jesus. It's called faith. It was the problem in the Old Testament. It's the problem today. It's believing it. We have to board the ark and hang on to the ark of the covenant because it's going to rain again on our way to the promised land. The time of testing is real. We must get on board. It's called faith. We hang on to the Ark of the Covenant. We hang on to His presence. We hang on to His Word during the storm. Why? Because it's going to rain again on our way to the promised land. Last week we talked about the time of Ichabod. When the glory of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, had departed from Israel, the priests who were in charge of the Ark, they, they died and the Philistines carried the ark away. The Philistines, it didn't take very long. They decided that they didn't want the ark without the covenant. Listen, church. 
This is a foundational truth of Scripture. You do not want to encounter the presence of God without the covenant promise of God. They figured it out pretty quickly. Without the promises, the presence is a dreadful thing. Today in this final session, we're going to fast forward again from the time of Samuel and the Philistines to the time of King David. There's about a hundred year jump between Samuel and King David. Where was the Ark of the Covenant when David became the king of Israel? So here comes a foundational question today. Where was the Ark of the Covenant when David became king of Israel? You and I know that David is a shadow. If you've been coming to church here very long, you know that everything in the Old Testament is a shadow or a revelation of the future Messiah. David is a shadow, a preview of King Jesus. Listen carefully. David became the king of Israel. Jesus is the king of Israel. Jesus is the king of the Jews. We'll get into that toward the end. But in the time of David, who was, who did God actually want to be king? Before David, before Saul. Listen carefully. The ark. On top of the ark was called a mercy seat. The mercy seat. Why mercy seat? Why do you need mercy? The mercy seat reveals that God had made a way for you and I to encounter him and receive his mercy rather than his judgment. And the, the ark reveals that. But the mercy seat is also the throne. The mercy seat is the throne of God. Now here's where I'm connecting David to the mercy seat to the king of Israel. The ark was the throne of God and God was the king of Israel. During the time of the judges, until Samuel is finished and Saul becomes the first king of Israel, who was king of Israel? They had no king. They had judges, which were rulers. But who was the king? God. The ark, the mercy seat, the throne of God. He is enthroned between the cherubim. He is the king of Israel. God was the king. God was traveling with them, fighting for them, dwelling with them in the wilderness and in the promised land. And I ask you, can you see the shadow yet? Because you will by the time you leave today. Here we go. David and the Ark of the Covenant, session number three. Let's give you some context. It was David's son Solomon that built the first Jerusalem temple. So the Ark of the Covenant must have been in a tent during the time of David. Last week we talked about the 70 Israelites that died from looking inside of the Ark when it came back from the Philistines. 70 Israelites looked inside and they died because they did so. The Bible tells us that the Ark was moved at that point to a new location where it remained for 20 years. We'll pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 7. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadab and ordained Eleazar, his son, to be in charge of the ark. 
The ark remained in Kiriath-Jerim for a long time, 20 years in all. And during that 20 years, during that time, all Israel mourned. Now, this is important. All Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. 20 years. And the last thing they remembered is that looking into the ark killed 70 Israelite men. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would you want to go and move it? The last thing, for 20 years, it's in this place. And would you want to move it? Would you want, hey, hey, why don't you help us move the ark somewhere? If the ark represented the throne and the presence of God, if the ark actually represents the presence of Israel's king, the king of Israel, God, you can see why the people mourned during this time. Because during this 20 years, this is important, during this 20 years, they felt like they were a kingdom without a king. They felt like God had abandoned them, like they were sheep without a shepherd. They didn't know what to do. So the, the country, the nation of Israel is in mourning. It's during this time. Listen, it kind of helps connect the dots. It's during this time that Israel wanted a king like other nations. They wanted a physical king. God was supposed to be their king and thrown between the cherubim traveling with them above his presence above the Ark of the Covenant. But they had abandoned him. They had not lived by faith. They didn't trust in him. They had abandoned him. So something happened. It's during this time that Israel cries out for a king like other nations around them. Samuel was their judge. He was their ruler, but they wanted a king like the other nations. I heard somebody call it the junior high phase of Israel. When you want what other people got, but you don't know why, just because they got it. They, we want a king because other nations have a king. Do you see what's happening here? It seemed like the Lord had abandoned them, but actually they had abandoned their king. And because they had abandoned their king, they're looking for another king, a replacement king. Let's go to 1 Samuel 8, 4. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss this matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old, Samuel, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king. Israel had never had one. Do you understand? They had one. His name was God. And now, 20 years after the ark seemed to have been abandoned, they cry out to Samuel, now give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. And Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me that they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king anymore. Now, that sets up everything that's about to follow. Where is the ark at this time? Is it in the center of the nation with God as their king? No. If it was at the center of the nation with God as their king, they would not be asking Samuel for an earthly king. It is in a remote tent. Listen, church, where's the ark? It's in a remote tent and God allows the people to have an, what they want. He gives them an earthly king, the first king of Israel, King
King Saul. The Bible records one event, one event where King Saul brought up the Ark of the Covenant for a battle with the Philistines, but then he turns to the priest in this one event and says, never mind, never mind. He doesn't need it. That brings me to King David and the Ark of the Covenant. There was no more mention of the Ark of the Covenant during the reign of King Saul, which ought to tell you a whole lot about the problem of King Saul. David, let's jump forward. He has now become the king of Israel. Remember, the Ark represents the throne and the presence of God. The king of Israel's throne. I want you to see this as the king of Israel's throne. God's design is that this Ark of the Covenant was the king of Israel's throne. He would travel with them, rule over them from the between the cherubim. He is enthroned between the cherubim. David is living in a palace in Jerusalem. But the Ark of the Covenant is in a remote tent. David is convicted by this, and he wants to bring the Ark to Jerusalem. He wants to raise the prominence of the Ark. He wants to raise the prominence of the legitimate, true King of Israel, right? So let's bring it to Jerusalem. 2 Samuel 6 verse 1. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel. 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart. Now that's going to be a bad decision. They placed the ark on a new cart as it left the house carrying the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord. They're singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I read that, if I didn't know what was coming after that, I would say this is one worship service you'd like to be at. I mean, they are celebrating what? Because David has these wonderful good intentions that he's going to elevate the ark of the Lord, the, the throne of the legitimate king of Israel, by bringing it to Jerusalem to a place of prominence. King David is given the rightful honor and respect to the true king, right? From our perspective, everybody in the room would say yes. David's intentions are honorable, but there's one big problem. The Ark of the Covenant has a covenant attached to it. Are you listening? There's one problem. The Ark of the Covenant has a covenant attached to it. The Ark is the throne of God, Israel's true king, and the covenant is the word of that king. The word of God matters. Every detail matters. Every word of God matters. And David and his leaders have made a terrible mistake. Now, I have to go back to session number one to show you their terrible mistake. They made a covenant mistake regarding transferring the ark from a tent to Jerusalem. 
Now, I'm going to give you a hint. Listen carefully, church, because it applies today as well. Good intentions don't change the Word of God. Good intentions do not change the Word of God. Good intentions do not change the covenant of God. Remember that. So let's go back to Exodus and find out what it was that his good intentions weren't big enough to overcome. Because David's trying to honor God. So let's go back. Go back to Exodus 25. This is the covenant. This is how you can live with God and not die. Exodus 25.10, have the people make an ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long. What if we made it 50? Make it 27 inches high. Well, you know 30 is a round number. Do you, do you think it matters when God gives instructions? Make it acacia wood. Well, we've got plenty of oak. Make it from acacia wood, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, 27 inches high. Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold. Well, why do we do the inside? Because nobody's going to see that. I, I do that for this point. Does every word matter? Do you have a copy of the old covenant? Do you have a copy of the new covenant? Do you think the words inside the covenant of God matter at all? Overlay it inside and outside with pure gold. Run a molding of gold all around it. Cast four gold rings and attach them to its four feet. Two rings on each side. Make poles from acacia wood and overlay the poles with pure gold. Insert the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to carry it. Did you just notice that? How are you going to carry this thing? You're going to put poles through the rings and you're going to carry it. You're going to carry it on a cart on, on, with, by the priest. You're not going to put it on a cart, right? When the ark is finished, place, it, place inside it the stone tablets in, inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give you. Now, now listen, the Philistines found out what happens when you have the presence without the covenant. The Philistines found out what they started breaking out with tumors and people were dying. Get the ark out of here. The 70 Israelite men found out what would happen when the covenant details of the king were ignored. You don't look unless you are a priest. You don't even come around the ark. And yet they looked inside of it and all 70 of them died. Does the covenant word of the king matter? Yes. And now King David, his celebration of good intentions will turn to horror because good intentions won't change the covenant of God. Good intentions do not override the word of the king of Israel. And David is the king of Israel about to encounter the legitimate real king of Israel, God. Now, let's go back to David's celebration on his way to Jerusalem, trying to transfer the ark. He's got good intentions. Verse 6, but when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled. It's on a cart being pulled by oxen. When the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Doesn't that sound reasonable? Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, 
and God struck him dead because of this, because he touched it. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. What do you think that did to the celebration? They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house. There are two things. They're already breaking the covenant rules of God. How man and God can live together without dying. They're breaking the rules. Why? Because it should have been Levitical priests carrying it on poles as described by the Word of God. And they've disregarded the covenant and put it on a cart. First mistake. Second mistake, Uzzah touches it. He touched the glory. Do you think you can just touch the glory? Do you you think sinful people can just touch the glory and survive? Uzzah joined the 70 men from 20 years before, and he died. Good intentions don't change the covenant. King David is angry, and he's terrified. Think about it. If you're in the party that day, the worship party, because it's a party. They're celebrating. They've got these wonderful good intentions. They got these wonderful good intentions. Let's elevate the throne of God. Let's bring it to Jerusalem. So now David, he's terrified. And the fear of God had fallen upon the entire group. And King David stopped the celebration and the caravan to Jerusalem. He just stops it. Verse 9. David was now afraid of the Lord. And he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? How can I, how can I bring it to Jerusalem? Now, David's king. He wants, he wants to bring it into Jerusalem where the, where the kingdom's at. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom and of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire Household. Now, in that context, all of the context that I have read to you, let me ask everybody a question. Are you ready? In fact, don't even answer it out loud. Answer it to yourself. Would you want the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, to come to your house in that context? I don't know. I don't know. Can I get back to you on that? His name is Obed-Edom. And the ark would be placed in his house and under his care for the next three months. So let's focus on something. The ark is the throne of God. The ark is the throne of the legitimate true king of Israel, right? It's not David. He's not the true king of Israel. The true king of Israel is God, right? And the ark of the covenant isn't just the throne of God. It contains the Word of God, and it, it specifically reveals the covenant of God, of how people can live with Him and not die. So let me ask you again, would you want the King of Israel? It's kind of a trick question, so pay attention to the words. Would you want the King of Israel and His Holy Word to come to your house? Church, would you want the King of Israel and his word, holy word, to come to your house. What just happened during communion a few minutes ago? If you can't answer the question, what just happened in communion a few minutes ago? 
we took the, the body of Christ, the bread, and the blood of Christ, and we put them inside of us. Do you want him to come into your house? We are the body of Christ. That Christ comes into me, right? That the Holy Spirit enters into me. So, but when you look at it in this context, this is the shadow. What we just took is the reality. This is the shadow. Would you want the king of Israel and his holy word to come into your house? How would the people in Jerusalem's caravan answer that question that day with Uzzah laying there dead? Does anyone see the king? See, keep, let me start all over. That's easy for you to say. Does anyone see a King David and a king of Israel's shadow yet? I, I hope so. Let me rephrase the question. Do you want to be an Obed-Edom? Do, do you want to be an Obed-Edom? Everything in the Old Testament eventually reveals Jesus' Messiah. Maybe it would be helpful to look a little deeper at Obed-Edom before we have to answer that question today. It looks like three months have passed and David gets the news that Obed-Edom and his entire household is living under a supernatural blessing. And news has come to David in the palace that everything about Obed-Edom is incredible. He is living under this supernatural blessing. Now, now, now contrast that to Uzzah, who they've had a funeral for. But now the, the, the same ark is now in Obadiah's house, and he's under a blessing. This is how that same event is recorded in 1 Chronicles. I want to read it to you so you get the detail. Chapter 13. The ark of God remained there at Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he owned. His people and everything began to prosper supernaturally. Everyone in Obed-Edom's household was, I want you to get this, was supernaturally by God prospered. Everything he owned when the ark of the covenant came to his house. What came to his house? What came to his house? What came to his house? The king and the word. The king and the word entered his house. And he began to prosper when the king and the, house, king and the word entered his house. Now, let's ask the question again. And don't forget about the 70 men that died for looking into the ark. And don't forget, don't, don't do it. Don't forget about ark uh, Uzzah who, who touched the glory and died. Don't forget about those. It's real. Would you want the king of Israel and his holy word, his covenant to come into your house? Do you want God's presence and God's word in you? That's the church. That's it. That's it. That's the ark of the covenant. When his presence and his word come into your house, into your life. He is the Ark of the Covenant. Stay with me. Remember the Philistines and the cancerous tumors? You don't want the Ark without the covenant promise. That's the Word. You don't want the glory without the promise. That's the Word. Three months have passed. Let's go back to Obed-Edom. 
David hears about the supernatural blessing of God upon Obed-Edom, and he makes a bold decision. I laugh because this didn't hit me until a little later. David wants what Obed-Edom's got. And David's the king, but I, I want what he's got. You know what he's got? He's got the blessing. I want the blessing. Obed-Edom's got blessing all over him. I want what Obed-Edom's got. So here's what happens. Verse 12. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has, be- he has because of the ark of God. So David went there. <laughs> He's going to try it again. So he went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with great celebration. He's going to try it again. Do you think he's going to do anything different this time than the first time? After the men who were carrying the ark. Did you catch the word? They're carrying the ark. Not on a cart this time, is it? After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. It'd take a while to cover much territory. After they walked six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Now, what's the difference this time? Now, I've already told you this time they didn't put it on a cart, right? This time they're carrying it. And no one's touching it. I'm sure there was clear instructions. Do not touch it. And David, how would you come to that knowledge? David and his staff have obviously searched out the covenant. Are you listening? They have obviously searched out the covenant before attempting to approach the ark, the throne of God, the legitimate king of Israel this time. They are carrying the ark. It's not on a cart. And I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you think details matter? Do you you have a copy of the old covenant and the new covenant? And I'm going to ask you, do you think details matter? Do we today in the church serve a different God than the God of the old covenant? No. He's the same God. The covenant is different. The God is the same. Do details matter? Ask Uza. Ask the 70 men who looked inside the ark. So let me assure you today. You don't want the ark. You don't want the presence without the covenant. So here comes the scene. Listen, I don't, this might not affect you like it did me, but it just blew my socks off. Here it comes. In this scene, the king of Israel just brought the king of Israel to Jerusalem. The king of Israel, David, just brought the king of Israel, God, his presence to Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? In Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant is in Jerusalem. Listen, church, for the first time. The king of Israel has just brought the true king of Israel to Jerusalem. The throne of God has just come to Jerusalem. It would be King David's son, Solomon, who would build a permanent temple and move the ark from a tent of David to a permanent temple in the most holy place of Jerusalem's temple. So let's go to 1 Kings 8 verse 1. 
Solomon then, now we're in Solomon. King David has passed it over to King Solomon. Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral families of the Israelites. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So they're going to move it to a permanent temple building. So all the men of Israel assembled before King Solomon at the annual festival of shelters, which is held in early autumn in the month of Ithanim. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the priests picked up the ark. Did you see that? You got priests and they're picking it up. No carts, no carts. The priests and Levites brought up the ark of the Lord along with the special tent and all the sacred items that had been in it. There before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could count them. And then the priests carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath, don't miss this, placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. Cherubim are angels. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the temple's main room, the holy place, but not from the outside. They are still there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left the land of Egypt. When the priests came out of the holy place, listen carefully. So they've just carried the ark in and set it down. When the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. What's the cloud? The king of Israel is coming. The legitimate true king. Solomon has, has brought this to happen. But the real king of Israel is in the cloud. Listen, verse 11. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. God had come to sit on his seat, on his, the mercy seat, his throne. The king of Israel carried the true king of Israel's throne. Listen carefully. Here's where everything changes. He carried it to Mount Moriah in Jerusalem's temple. Now, before I go into it, I'm going to ask you, how many of you see it? I wonder, in this church, I wonder how many of you see it. The king of Israel carried the true king of Israel's throne and sat it down on Mount Moriah. That's the place behind the curtain on the temple mount in Jerusalem. The throne of God, the true king of Israel, has placed, was placed behind the veil of the Jerusalem temple on specifically Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. It's not in the Bible, but Orthodox Judaism teaches Mount Moriah is the foundation stone. The place where God formed Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. 
the place where Abraham would sacrifice Isaac, Mount Moriah, the place where God would reveal his name, the place where God would reveal his covenant plan for mankind. Listen carefully. Mount Moriah is the place where God would reveal his name, a name that affects every person in this room, every person on the earth. Mount Moriah is the name was revealed Yahweh Yira. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Yahweh Yira. Now stay with me. This is big. When it all comes together in one scene, this is the third session of this Ark of the Covenant. And you've got to understand that all of it comes from this scene. You've got to go back a thousand years before David. And you've got Abraham on Mount Moriah with Isaac. A thousand years before David, a thousand years before Solomon carries the ark and puts it behind the veil on Mount Moriah. Genesis twenty-two thirteen. Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. In that moment, he stands over top of his son Isaac, ready to kill him and set him on fire as an offering. And he looks up and he sees a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering. Listen, in place of his son. In place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. He's going to, in this place, his name is the Lord will provide a substitute for man. The Lord will provide a substitute for man. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord. What's the mountain of the Lord? It's called Moriah. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name. Here comes a covenant. Here comes a covenant. I swear by my own name, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, Abraham, all the nations. Do you know all the nations means you? It's not just Jews anymore. All the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Now, that scene was on Mount Moriah. The name Yahweh Yira, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. A thousand years later, a thousand years after Abraham and Isaac are on that scene, King Solomon places the Ark of the Covenant, the throne of the true king of Israel, on top of Mount Moriah. Do you see it? So I'm going to do something. I did it in the first service. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. Father, you said in your word, in your new covenant that no one could come to the Son unless the Father drew them. Lord, we can't have eyes to see unless you give us eyes to see. We can't have ears to hear unless you give us ears to hear. We can't have hearts that receive and believe and obey unless you give us that kind of a heart, for we are rebellious and stubborn people. So, Lord, I'm asking right now, right now, this moment, in Jesus' name, that you would open our eyes, that we would see clearly all of this. It won't be a shadow anymore. It'll be our present reality. And we'll have ears to hear what the Spirit right now, right now is saying to the church. These words, these urgent words on the mountain of the Lord, it has been provided. 
and that our hearts will not only receive it, but will believe it and walk in the light of its truth. I'm asking you to do that. Only you can do that today, right now. I'm asking you that in Jesus' name. Amen. A thousand years after the time of King David. So a thousand years. Listen carefully. A thousand years after Abraham and Isaac are on Mount Moriah and he's ready to put a knife in. You have Solomon carrying that ark and putting it on Mount Moriah. A thousand years after Solomon puts it behind the veil in the city of Jerusalem, God did the very thing that he blessed Abraham for doing. What a coincidence. Listen again. A thousand years from Abraham to Solomon placing the ark on the same place where Isaac lay. A thousand years later, God is going to do the same thing in Jerusalem that he had asked Abraham to do, but provided a substitute. What is it? Yahweh Yira, the Lamb of God, the King of Israel that would take away the sins of the world. Now listen carefully. There's one more scene. One more scene from Israel. From Jerusalem, excuse me. The true king of Israel, the only begotten son of God. Now, let, let me make this clear. Do you remember in the story in the Gospels where Jesus stands in front of Pilate? And they go through all of that. And Pilate really wanted to, to release him, but the Jews didn't want to. So, finally, he concedes. And in that moment, Pilate makes an order. He's the Roman governor. He's got power and authority. He makes an order to put a sign over top of Jesus on the cross. And what's the sign? Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And he had it posted in multiple languages. Why? Why? Why would he do that? Because he was already put out with the Jewish people. They came to him and said, take the sign down. He said, no, what I've written, I've written. And, and they said, well, put up there that he claimed to be. He said, no, what I've written, I have written. What? Something that day, God had ordained a moment that day that there's going to be a sign over top of this man in Jerusalem. And that sign's going to reveal his true identity. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. He is the king. He is the king. Understand, a thousand years, a thousand years, these events happen all because of what happened. Yahweh Yira, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. There's a king and a kingdom. It's taken place. Do you see it? L listen, Jesus was crucified just outside the city that the Lord calls the city of the great king. The city of the great king. Over his head is the king of the Jews. You would have been able to see the temple from Golgotha. So he's just outside the city walls. And when Jesus died, the veil or the curtain of the Jerusalem temple that separated the most holy place from the holy place, the veil that, that, that covered the Ark of the Covenant. It was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when Jesus says, it is finished, we covered that this past session, a way. What's finished? A way to access the King of the Jews. Do you understand? In that moment, a way for mankind 
to find a way to access, to, to get in touch with the king of Israel was opened. Remember last week, who's the first one to proclaim it when he died? A Gentile. Surely this man is the son of God. The veil opens. A way to enter the presence of God was made in Jerusalem. They took Jesus' body down from the cross. And they laid him in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, something happened that puts every piece of these three sessions together. And that's why I prayed. Because I pray that you get it. I pray that you can see it. And what happened on the third day puts every piece of this puzzle together for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. This next scene didn't happen on the Holy of Holies on Mount Moriah. No, 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 it didn't. This next scene happened in a grave. This next scene happened in a tomb. Listen carefully. This next, next scene happened in a place that you and I are going unless something changes. This next scene takes place in the grave. In the presence of a woman who had been cured from demonic possession. John 20 verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb excuse me, crying. And as she wept, she stooped and she looks into the tomb and she saw two white robed angels. Do you see it? One sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they have put him. So she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. I'm going to ask you again. Do you see it? Do you have eyes to see today? Do you have ears that can hear today? Two angels. One at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus body had been laid. I want you to look at this picture. Two angels, one on each end. In the middle is the mercy seat. In the middle is the throne of God. The king of Israel reigns between the two cherubim. And Mary looks in at a tomb and there's an angel and there's an angel. He is the Ark of the Covenant. He is the revelation of everything God has planned from the very beginning. When the woman's seed will crush the serpent's head. He is it. And do you see it? Do you see it? Two angels. So let's go back. Let's go back a thousand years to the ark when Solomon carries it into the temple. Verse 5, there before the ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, cattle, that no one can count them. Then the priest carried the ark of the Lord's covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark. The cherubim, angel, angel, over the ark. What's the ark? The throne of God, the presence of God, the covenant of God. And Mary looks into the tomb and there's an angel at both ends. But it's empty. It's a grave, but it's empty. So where is the ark today? Here's the closing. Where's the ark today? 
Ethiopia. A lot of people think it's in Ethiopia under spare of this, under, under the care of this very special group of Ethiopians. There's another group that thinks it's in the Temple Mount. Uh, when I was in Israel, actually twice, when I was in Israel, the last time uh, we went to the Temple Institute, and when we got to the end of the tour of the Temple Institute, they told us, and many of you were in that scene with me, or still here at the church, they said that what? They said that we have the Ark of the Covenant in our possession, and we will bring it out at the appropriate time. I, I don't know. If you were to ask me where I think the Ark of the Covenant is now, no, I don't think it's in the Indiana Jones movie back in a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> uh, personally, I believe it's more than likely under the Temple Mount in a secure place, but I don't know. And here's why I say I don't know that way. The prophet Jeremiah announces there's a day coming. And listen to me. I believe that day is very near. Jeremiah says there's a day coming, a future time, when we won't even have to talk about this former ark anymore. I won't have to do session one, session two, session three. Do you know why he would say such a thing? Jeremiah announces there's a day coming in the real people of the real earth where you and I will no longer have to have a conversation about some physical Ark of the Covenant covered with gold. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because the King Himself will come. The King Himself will arrive on this earth. The King Himself. I won't need to talk about the throne when He arrives. Here it is. I want to read it. Jeremiah 3.16, and when your land is once more filled with people, he's talking to Israel, you will no longer wish for the good old days when you possess the ark of the Lord's covenant. You will not miss those days or even remember them because something's going to be so much bigger than that. You won't even remember them. And there will be no need to rebuild the ark. In that day... Jerusalem will be known as the throne of the Lord. Why? Because He's here. His presence will be here, physically here. And I wonder, listen, I wonder how many people sitting in church right now today on a Sunday do not really believe it. You say you believe it, but you don't really believe it. That He's coming. He's literally going to come. He's going to stand upon this earth. He's going to reign upon this earth for 1,000 years. And those who had put their faith in Him will reign with Him on this earth for 1,000 years. It's not a metaphor. It's not some fairy tale. You won't need to study the the, the ark anymore because He will be here. They will no longer stubbornly follow their own evil desires church, I'm telling you today, the King of Israel, Jesus, the legitimate King of Israel, Jesus will one day be King of the whole earth. Every knee is going to bow to Him, and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. That day's coming, and you don't want to wait till that day to believe that He is who He says He is. You do not want to wait till that day to confess that He is truly the Son of God. To encounter the presence without the blood covenant is a dreadful thing. Today, here's my summary. I want to be an Obed-Edom. I asked you that question over and over earlier. I want to be an Obed-Edom when the Ark of the Covenant comes to stay with me in my house. 
But you've got to understand, in this story, there were two characters. There was an Obed-Edom and there was an Ichabod. Ichabod is the glory has departed. Obed-Edom is the glory has arrived. After three months at his house, do you know that Obed-Edom was part of King David's second caravan to Jerusalem? You, you would have to read the fine print, the details, but understand that Obed-Edom, after three months, David comes to get the, the Ark of the Covenant to carry it to Jerusalem. You know, you know what Obed-Edom says? I'm going with it. I know what this blessing looks like. I'm going too. Obed-Edom refused to live his life on the past encounters with God. Church, anybody listening? He refused to live his life on a past encounter with God. He understood that once he encountered the presence, this thing's just getting started. His encounter with the ark, the presence and the word didn't end after three months. It grew larger and larger in Obed-Edom's life and in his family. The Bible tells us that Obed-Edom became a gatekeeper, a musician, and a doorkeeper for the ark of God after it arrived in Jerusalem. Listen carefully. When the ark moved, he moved. Do you know what that means, church? When God moves, you move. You move. You don't, you don't base your life on something you happened back in 1986. When he moves, you move. The blessing is yours. You move with him. The Bible tells us that Obed-Edom had eight sons and many grandsons, all who worshiped God in Jerusalem. He had a lasting family legacy. In fact, the number is 62 men in all. It's recorded in the Scripture. And they all came by way of the blessed Ark of the Covenant that came to the house of Obed-Edom. Today, I want to have the Ark. I want the King of Israel living with me and my family while we wait for Him to live on this earth. I want Him to live in me while I wait for Him to reign on this earth. I want him living in me. Today, I want the ark, the ark, the king of heaven. I want the covenant to reign supreme in my life, in my family, while we wait for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is, however, an alternative. And I warn you today about the alternative. It is Ichabod. It is a horrible word. And I'm asking you, what would have happened to Obed-Edom if the ark had not come to his house? What would have happened to Obed-Edom if the ark had not come to his house? You don't want to meet this ark without the covenant. And one day, listen, one day it's going to happen all over the earth. The reason I preach with such urgency, the reason I preach with such passion is I know there are people in the church you're going to be an Ichabod. You heard the stories. You heard it, but you never put your faith in him. You never submitted yourself. His spirit, his presence, and his word never entered you. It was all external. And you will be lost when it was right in front of you. You could have been an Obed-Edom and you became an Ichabod. It's real. You don't want to meet the ark without the covenant. The covenant is the blood covenant of Christ. And one day it's going to happen. Like Noah without the boat. 
You ever notice that, that the boat only had one door? There was only one door to the ark. We only have one door now. It is the new covenant of blood of Jesus Christ. He must enter you. His presence and His Word must come inside of you. Hebrews 10.31 It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if you do not have the blood covenant, the new covenant of Jesus Christ, if Jesus is not the ark of the covenant in you, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So here we go. Noah's ark. Build it, board it, hold on. It's going to rain. Moses' ark, build it, overlay it with pure gold, handle with care while you're in the wilderness heading toward the promised land. David's ark, take it to Mount Moriah, Yahweh Ira, on the mountain of the Lord. Our ark, right now, listen. On the mountain of the Lord. It was provided. It's past tense. It was provided. When Jesus on the cross says it is finished, it is finished. Everything necessary for you and I to make peace with God has been made available by the ark of the covenant of Christ. Obed-Edom or Ichabod. With or without the ark of God's presence and covenant promises. Today I declare without apology, Jesus is our ark. He is the ark of our salvation. He is the king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And one day he will rule over everything and everyone on this present earth. He is the bridegroom and we are the betrothed bride in our time of waiting. The ark. God built it. We board it by faith, and we hang on in the time of waiting. Because I'm going to tell you, just like in the days of Noah, it's going to rain. And it's not going to be rain that falls from the sky. It's going to be the rain of judgment that's going to come upon all of those who refuse the covenant, and then they face the presence without the promise. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Obed-Edom or Ichabod. I wonder what the people in the days of Noah thought when it started to rain. <coughs> and the doors closed. It's a horrifying thought. Obed-Edom or Ichabod. I wonder what the people of the earth are going to think when one day the bride of Christ is taken to be with the bridegroom. It's a horrible thought. So today, the door is open. In my mind, I can never get over church, Jesus' word to the church at Philadelphia. I have opened a door that no one can close. And when I close the door, no one will open it. That door right now today is open. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing to you today. I don't know what He's speaking to you today. If there's sin in your life today, you should come and confess and repent that sin. You should find peace with God. If you've never received Jesus Christ, if right now today, right now today, you know for a fact that the, his, his Holy Spirit does not dwell in you, and His Word does not dwell in you, then you need to come today and cry out to Him. 
Let him become your ark of the covenant. Let's stand. The invitation's open.